the Empire of Lies, a bastion of free speech and open debate in the vast wasteland that is the Biden administration, the collapsing wasteland, I might add. This is a backstory. I'm investigative journalist Lee Strahan, and it is Monday, therefore, it is Carmine. It is a Carmine Monday. Hey, Carmine, how you doing? How are you, my brother? There's Carmine Sabia. And I must say, we, you know, we cover a lot of international issues, right, Carmine? You know that. We do. So we're the show that brings you an Italian guy from Newark so we can talk to a guy who's Greek in Italy. Uh, what? So the first guest is Andrew Spanis. He's a great journalist, and he's over in Italy. And do you know what we're talking about? Draggy Queen Story Hour. Well, why wouldn't we? The the Prime Minister quit. You heard that, right? What Prime Minister? Of Italy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Draggy Queen know. Story Hour. I know, you know, you could have been talking about Johnson. I thought one maybe quit today. A lot quit have quit. Estonia, Sri Lanka, Bulgaria, apparently. We'll talk Sri about Lanka that. Didn't have much choice. Yeah, a, a lot. And I think Schultz is coming next because of date rape. We'll see. But Biden could go anytime, just because. I think that's 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 becoming apparent, isn't it? I don't see how he's going to finish out his term, especially since he's spending all his money on the war in Ukraine and losing. Joe yeah. Biden's a guy who lost withdrawing from Afghanistan. He lost a retreat. That's, That's hard to lose. Amazing. That is amazing. But we'll be talking to Andrew Spanis in the first hour. And the second hour, we're joined by great Bay Area patriot, Allison Hayden. And we'll be talking about Gavin Newsom. Newsom could be coming in to fill in for, you know, tagging in for Biden. Or, and know, we'll isn't say, it weird that it wouldn't be? Isn't it weird that they're, they're looking for options outside of the vice president? You know, who would have ever guessed that picking somebody just based on their race and gender was not going to work out perfectly? Yes, especially when they were an unpopular person who got their way by famously sleeping her way to her position. You know, I mean, that's not even it's it's not even it's not even wrong to say it's a well-known established fact. Willie Brown. Yes. Yeah. It's not you can't be like, that's sexist. It's not sexist. It's accurate. Right. And it's not an insult. It's accurate. It's what she did. So we'll be talking to Allison in the second hour and taking your calls, 202-521-3020. Carmine, what, in fact, is the name of the show? Ah, yes, I'm glad you asked me. The name of the show, Mr. Stranahan, is... The Backstory. Now, Carmine, I'm not going to unleash your rant yet. Hold your rant back, Okay. Okay, yes, so, sir. We've got fifty. We got about ten minutes before we bring Andrew Spanis on, 
and I want your rant to have room to breathe. Does it make sense? You're going to need a full what, 45 minutes. What am I ranting on? You're ranting on Indiana and Uvalde. Ah, yes, a tale indeed. Of two, a tale of two guns. Or, yes, indeed. Or 346 guns. But I got to say yeah. this one part. Don't rant, though. But is it the most unbelievable thing you've ever freaking heard that they had 346 cops on the scene in Uvalde? 346. Can you imagine that? I thought, you know, I thought I couldn't get any angrier at them. And then today, I, I, I just, it, 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 it boggles the mind, Lee. It boggles the mind. I'll say it before I say it again. I live next door to a school. I would run in there unarmed to save those kids. Well, and I asked, run I asked my girlfriend, she hadn't heard the story. So I asked her, how many cops do you think was there? And she got angry and said 40. And she was pissed off at the idea that there was 40. I thought there was like two dozen. And when, would you, you'd be pissed at, at two dozen, right? Yes. So it's one guy. Yeah. So then she, I said, no higher. And she got really pissed and she said 50. And I, and I knew that where this was going. So she guessed, then she went to a hundred and she was incredulous. And I said higher. And when she got to 200, she was apoplectic. 346 yes. policemen. There are conventions of police officers that don't have 346. There are Dunkin' Donuts that do not have 346 cops at breakfast time, Carmine. 346 the, cops is unbelievable. The more, the more you talk about it, the angrier I get. And uh, you just let me know when I can tee off. Well, that'll be after we talk to Andrew Spanis. So, but somebody the, said to me on Twitter today. They said, "Oh, the good guy with a a, the, a gun thing is a fallacy." They said to me because you're pointing to Indiana, but what about the 346 good guys with guns in Uvalde? I said, "No, you just made my point for me. You want those to be the only guys with guns, right? And you you don't want them not to have guns. They were not hindered by their guns." Correct. The guns, I don't know how, how to explain this to liberals, but guns are inanimate objects. They do not have magic powers. The guns were not telling the 346 people, hey, duck, hide hide out here. Hide me. What's that Billy yeah. the Magic Gun? They're inanimate yeah. objects. So, inanimate objects. Let's go to calls. 202-521-1320. Ingrid in D.C., what is on your mind? Oh, thanks, Lee. Two different things. Uh, one, very interesting. C-SPAN um, this weekend rebroadcast a program with Larry O'Connor interviewing Julio Rosas. And if you remember, he was one of the journalists covering the riots in 220. He's got a book out. The title is Fiery But Most Peaceful. And I, I followed Julio during the riots, uh, and he was like a lot of the time. 
but it, I just thought it was interesting that C-SPAN would choose to rebroadcast that. And um, and how how did Larry do? Because of course Larry O'Connor used to work at Breitbart News before he was a talk show host, and I knew Larry years ago. But how did he do on the interview? I've never heard Larry before. I, I found him a little annoying because he kept cutting in with dumb jokes. But I guess it was okay. Um, <laughs> but this is for Carmine. Uh, he perhaps heard about this New Jersey case of a prisoner, a transgender <laughs> was trans family yes. male <laughs> and is now complaining he, she, it is in danger, but transferred because she impregnated two other prisoners when she was with women. <laughs> Which I don't understand because she's a woman. How is she getting people pregnant? She's a woman. How's a woman getting to a pregnant? Could it be that she's well, in fact well, come, not come, a come woman? Right. Come in. Let me explain the facts of life to you. The way she got them pregnant, take your hand, take your left hand, hold up in, in shape of a V. Okay? Yes. Now take your right hand and hold it up in shape of the V. Can you do that? Are both yeah, these on both hands? Now yes. press them together. That's how. You see oh, what I'm saying? That doesn't make sense. I, uh, that's not how I've done it in the past. I, unbelievable. I, well, I can't, but I was shocked. I tell you the truth. Uh, caller, what was your name? Ingrid. It's Ingrid. Ingrid, Ingrid. I was shocked. I, I said to myself, I said, Carmine, I can't believe that you would put a male in a prison with a bunch of women and sex would happen. This is shocking. Shocking. I'm to afraid. Me. If they goes to a male prison, isn't he going to get the men pregnant? Who the hell knows? Are we worried about that? Are we? Yeah, maybe he could get pregnant, right? Because he's a woman. We're we're in clown world. Do you understand? We're in clown world. Well, biology has a bias, Carmine. Biology is sexist, obviously. I understand. My my nephew, by the way. My, my nephew's wife is pregnant. God bless them. I'm so happy for them. And uh, they're having a gender reveal party. And I said, well, you can't do that. When, when it, when it, uh, when, when they pop the balloon, it has to be purple. And it says, it's a baby. You got to wait till the kid's about 18 and ask the kid what, what its gender is. A great call, Ingrid. Thanks very much. Now, we have a couple of minutes before Andrew Spanis comes on. Let me point out medically, I've got some medical news. Okay. I am now a medical marijuana recommendee. Well, that's fantastic. Yes. Why? And I'll tell you why. I have insomnia, and I've been prescribed drugs at the doctors, and I really don't like taking insomnia drugs. They really, sure. I, they knock me loopy. I get up, and I, I'm almost falling and let's over. Face it, Lee. Let's face it, Lee. You don't need to be any more loopy. No, I really don't. I'm very unstable on my feet. But uh, I got mar medical marijuana recommendation, but I did not get it from my doctor because my doctor, see, they legalized marijuana up here in South Dakota a couple of years sure. ago. And it was the first state to legalize both medical and recreational marijuana. But immediately, the, the governor... Christy Nome 
and the legislature wanted to hold back on the recreational part. They so I'm a little bummed I have to get a medical rec at all. I should just get marijuana. <sighs> and be able to, you know what I'm saying? But I had to go through and get the medical part. So I went to the doctor and I'm with the biggest healthcare provider in South Dakota. And the doctor sure. said, I can't give it to you because we don't have a procedure and I could lose my job. I'm like, what? So, so it's legal medically and I can buy it on the Indian reservation up in Flandreau, South Dakota. We're going Wednesday, but I couldn't get it from my doctor. So have you seen those places online maybe that offer to give you a medical marijuana wreck from no from anywhere? So you, they they seem they seem kind of scammy, right? If you saw talk to a doctor on phone and get your medical marijuana wreck, thirty nine bucks. That sounds kind of scammy, right? I I wouldn't believe it. It's not scammy. It was great. It was done in about five minutes. Danny helped me. My girlfriend helped me. And I'm now a medical marijuana recommendee. I'm not going to Russia with it, though. I'm staying in South Dakota. And one of the things I like about having a rec is that I can buy, because I don't want to smoke. I have no desire to smoke anything. So since that'd be the only way I would, I would even consider it. So I'm taking a tincture. Hopefully the only way I would consider it is smoking, but I don't smoke weed. I don't, I don't do marijuana. It's not my thing. It's not my thing. Cause I tried it once. Have you ever had it more than once? Okay. I tried it once and it gave me a gigantic panic attack. Well, Stick with it is my advice. I'm I, I like weed. Well, I, I'm take a weed fan. I take I take Xanax, which I mean is you know. But by the way, I'm not I'd so stupid to go in my luggage to Russia. Well, that would be stupid, I'm wouldn't not, it? I'm not that dumb. Andrew Spanis is joining us in one minute from Italy, and we'll get to the bottom of what's going on in Italy, and maybe Andrew knows stuff about some of these other places that are losing their leadership. Is the Zelensky curse real? We'll find out from Andrew Spanis after this short break on what show, Carmine? The Backstory. Backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. Joining us now from Italy, Andrew Spanis, writer and analyst. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing? Hi, pretty good. How about you? Long, long time no talk. Have you been? Well, I've been pretty busy. <laughs> There's a with the war, uh, things are. People need a lot of analysis. They need a lot of geopolitical analysis. And as you know, there's a lot of uh, (laughs) one-sided analysis out there and news. And it's very useful for people to find 
you know, someone who who will uh, give them a bit of the backstory, as if you if you allow me to use that. Uh, but I will. Without you know, without being well, someone who's harder to to attack as being you know a Putin Putin mouthpiece or something because I'm an American. So. Right. Hey, did you guys no, see? It, did you guys see that? Uh, you guys see that Ukrainian Nazis was trending on Twitter yesterday. I did not see that, but that's uh, that's it something was trending. It was trending near the top. I was like, "This is crazy." I couldn't well, believe. It. I said, "I thought they scrubbed all this from the internet." I was shocked. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about this. Here. Well, let's talk about the Zelensky curse. They're calling it the Zelensky curse. People who come out in support of Zelensky in leadership positions around the world are dropping like flies. Just in the G7, 30% almost of the G7, there are seven people there in the Swiss Alps, in, in the German Alps, forgive me, recently, and Bavarian Alps. And of the seven leaders who were there, Two of them have quit now. Boris Johnson from the UK and Draghi from Italy. And we'll talk about that in a second. But around the world, in Sri Lanka, Estonia, Bulgaria, the Zelensky curse goes on. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, explain what happened with Draghi. Because I, I didn't see this one coming. I thought Schultz might be next since he's got that date rape scandal. You know about that, Andrew, right? He will. He will be next. He will be. Well, Draghi was uh, was at dinner. I was at a dinner with Draghi on last Tuesday, and I told him it's time to resign. So that's basically what happened. No, I'm just just kidding. Although we did have our foreign press correspondence dinner uh, with Draghi Tuesday night, and it was at that time it was already. Uh, there were already a lot of discussions internally um, about trying to 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 deal with what is uh, a revolt, a partial revolt among the five star movement. So I'll give just well, a minute and a half here Andrew, on what that is. <laughs> sure, Andrew. The, All right. A quick, quick trivial question. At the foreign press correspondence dinner, where was it in Rome? <laughs> It was in Rome, yes. I'm the head of the Milan Foreign okay. Press Association, but this was in Rome. And what's the what's a, Italian for the food? The food was definitely Italian, yes. It was at an old, uh, an ancient villa, a beautiful place. Uh, very nice. The, the idea, the original idea was to have it to be a little bit like the U.S., you know, the White House correspondence dinner in the United States. But here you can't make fun of politicians the same way you can in the United States. You got to be a little more careful. So there were some there was some funny speeches, but but not the kind of uh, uh, kind of in-your-face humor you get in the United States. And I assume the food's better because I had a, I've never been to Italy, but people, everyone I know who's been there says they haven't had a bad meal in Italy. And I'm sure you you, you live there, so I'm sure you have somewhere <laughs> McDonald's. No, wherever. it's impossible. <laughs> Italians taught the world how to eat, my friend. We taught the world. By the how way, to eat. meet We're Carmine Sabia from Newark. He's our guest co-host today, Andrew Hello, Carmine. Carmine nice Andrew. Nice to meet you. Carmine Andrew. Bene. Carmine, exactly. <laughs> Carmine. Uh, so, 
the food is is great over here. Yeah, after after decades, you know, you can get a bad meal sometimes. But the food is great. The wine is great. And that is certainly one of the reasons, uh, you know, a lot of people stay hey, here. Food, wine, and can culture. You settle a, can you settle a bet for me? <laughs> I can try. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that the Italians and really all of Europe uh, drink all of their beverages, including Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola, at room temperature? Not anymore, no. Um, they changed it, that. That No, over the years, that has changed. Uh, but okay. also you have, don't forget white wine. You drink white wine cold. So, well, yeah, uh, the wine, the white wine. Yes. But it was always, man, as far back as I can remember, it was always everything room temperature. Things, they thought we were crazy for ice cubes. Well, ice, it's still not as much as not as cold as in the U S U S we love everything with ice, everything very cold. Uh, here people don't do it that cold, but you now, some countries, you know, drink their beer mostly towards the east, and also in the UK, drink their beer not nearly as cold as we would in the US. Some even at room temperature, uh, but here in Italy, your beer is cold, uh, your white wine is cold, and your Coke is partially cold. Although I don't drink Coke very often, so I'm, I don't that have is, a survey on that. <laughs> that is bet, interesting. That is, settled, is a change. That is a change. I am stunned by because it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. Back in the day, everything was room temperature. Everything. Uh, and the, the other thing is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they don't refrigerate eggs. Eggs? Well, eggs are not refrigerated in Europe. Uh, it depends. We put them in the refrigerator. When you buy them, they're not refrigerated. That is correct. So you win that at the supermarket. Because they don't. What happens is they don't wash off the protection that the egg actually has naturally. Right. We do. There you go. That's why that's why ours have to be refrigerated. So anyway, uh -huh. there you go. That's your <laughs> so, that's your egg so and that, food lesson for today. <laughs> that sells a bet and the food issues. And Andrew, so what's happened with Draghi? What what happened? Well, he's been you know Draghi is the former uh, European Central Bank head. Uh, he's he was many years ago. He was the guy who managed privatizations in Italy. So he was a big free market. Um, you know, he worked for Goldman Sachs, then became central banker. He came in as the hero, the hero for Italy as an as an unelected, you know, political leader. Uh, and so he's had he has a large coalition government, which is almost all the major parties have supported him. But basically, what's happened is that the Five Star Movement, which started out with a, a huge uh, bottom-up populist outsider movement. Uh, got a lot of people in parliament in 2013, then 2018, uh, even more. And basically, they've split already once, uh, not too long ago. But the thing is that they need, you know, they started vote. they voted against something, or they abstained on a recent package for Draghi's government. And when that happens, Draghi took the opportunity, said, well, we don't have the same majority anymore, so I, I offered to resign. I mean, the basic reason is that the, uh, this is my, my interpretation, uh, it, but I think it's pretty accurate, that the five-star movement needs to distance themselves from what is a total establishment government, because there's going to be general elections either in the fall or next spring, and their vote total has gone way down. Can you imagine an outsider party supporting you know, the most establishment uh, finance friendly guy you can find that doesn't work for them over the long term. So they need to 
they need to change their image. Now, do you have any sense of what the public in Italy's mood is on the war? I, yes. I would assume they're, they're anti-Russian, but I don't know how adamantly. That's just my guess because they're Europeans. But tell us, Andrew. Italy is one of the countries where the anti-Russian sentiment is the lowest. There has been the lowest over the years. Uh, so certainly people are, you know, the, the general mood is, uh, is anti-Russian in the sense of criticizing Russia for the war. But the polls, the opinion polls will tell you, and much of the, the political uh, class also, the parliamentarians, you know, elected politicians, are against sending more weapons to Ukraine. Uh, so this is, we're talking majority, over 50%, against sending more weapons to Ukraine. Uh, and people here do not have the idea that we need to, that we need to break with Russia completely. We need to totally defeat Russia. Uh, the idea is we need to find a way to stop the war as soon as possible and then have decent relations with Russia. So that is part of a problem for Draghi also. Have you seen it trending? Because I've noticed even in the U.S., you don't see this reflected in polls because they don't ask the question right. But people are growing. People who were pro-Ukraine at first are sick of sending them all of our money. And as it's clear that Ukraine is losing the war, they have less and less support. Are you seeing that in Italy, that the trend is against Ukraine and pro-Russia in any sense? Well, there has certainly been a change, you know, in, in uh, this public discussion as there's been a change in the narrative. Now, in the U.S., the change has been more stark because at the beginning it was uh, very hard to find, um, you know, in the main, so-called mainstream media, it was very hard to find anyone who was being realistic uh, about the situation. Um, now. You know, as you said, it's it's now fairly clear that Ukraine is not winning the war. You know, there maybe they'll be able to to slow down Russia uh, with with some of the better, you know, the higher technology weapons they're getting now. But it's still a a small amount, not not anywhere near enough to you know go on a counteroffensive. Uh, but that the discussion here from the beginning actually has been much more open, in the sense that there is a significant minority of people. Who are willing to to be critical of NATO policy um, and and of the United States? So that is, they were attacked, accused of being a Putin, you know, pro-Putin uh, spokesman. There a list was sent out of people. These are the Putin people in Italy, but there's a number of them, and and now certainly, you know, I've been traveling around a lot in the last few months doing events, conferences about geopolitics, about the global situation, and especially with, with people in business, there's just, there's, there's very little, uh, or a lot less tolerance for a Manichaean good guys, bad guys view that you get from the institutions here. It's just, you know, and what you get also from, 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 from the mainstream in the United States. There's much less tolerance and people are very quick to, uh, to say, you know, we're not. We're just not buying that. We're not buying that. You know that this is good against evil, and we need to find a way to, to stop this. Instead of thinking that we need to fight to the last Ukrainian. Carmine. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I 
I agree, but I, I'm surprised that um, I'm surprised that the the anti-Russia sentiment is not stronger in Italy, which you know is a is a Western country. It's pretty heavily, you know, influenced by the United States and and the United Kingdom. What would be the reason for that? Well, that's the again the majority certainly is is critical of Putin. There's no question about that. But there's again, it's 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 not very deep. It's not very deep, and and there is a, a growing minority more willing to say things that are more realistic. The reason, uh, let me add to that, the, this government, the Draghi government, has has moved Italy to uh, you know towards NATO, you know, to the right, we could say, if that's, if that makes sense, it doesn't really, but to simplify it, um, you know, the, the, the Italian government, and this is part of the answer to your question, Italian government for decades, you know, in the Cold War, the end of the Cold War, and, and also later, the Italians always had, you know, played a role of maintaining relations with countries which were outside of the West. Uh, they maintained Russian uh, relationships with the Soviet Union, they had Italian factories in the Soviet Union. It, Italy had the biggest Communist Party in the West. The Communist Party had over 30 percent of the vote, so there were direct political uh, interactions with the with the Soviets. Italy had excellent relationships with Iran, with other countries in Northern Africa, Libya. Um, you know, a, a list of countries that, have, by the way, have been subject to wars over in in you know in the not too distant past. So. Italy has played that role as sort of a bridge, you know, being a close NATO ally and a U.S. ally, but still being able to maintain these relations. The only country that kept the embassy open in Serbia during the bombing in 1999. So this has been Italy's, uh, some part of Italy's identity. Uh, and, and that's what, we, what we've seen now is we've seen a change in that politically, where the institutions were pushed very hard to go, you know, to a total pro you know, pro-U.S. line is the line that was coming out from the coming from the U.S., even though it's moderated a little bit, I'd say, uh, under pressure. Uh, so the, the the government went in that direction, and there was some pushback. In fact, when in fact when Draghi came to Washington in May, he was he came. The first thing he said is, "We have to have negotiations and find a negotiated, you know, uh, agreement to stop the war," which was not his line at all for the first two months. But he was pushed by pressure from from the parliament and from public opinion here. So again, it's, it's, it's there, it's significant. Italy is part of the West. It's in a fully integrated into NATO, also at an economic level, uh, military industrial complex. Uh, but but that, that doesn't change, you can't change the historic, Italy's historical position of being more of a bridge towards Eastern Europe and also North Africa and the Middle East. Now, Carmine, we talked to Andrew a lot during the beginning of the pandemic, because as remember, Italy was ahead of the curve in terms yes. of dealing yes. with this and the shutdowns and everything. And speaking of Italy and pandemic, uh, an Italian-American named Dr. Fauci. You proud yeah. of that one, Carmine? <clears throat> as proud as I am of Pelosi. Okay, good. Well, well put. But Fauci announced that he'll be retiring by the end of Joe Biden's term. So who knows yeah. when that, that is? That could be any week now. We're starting to see some places here 
L.A. is requiring masks again. We're starting to see a pickup in some COVID-19 stuff. Are you seeing any of that in Italy? Oh, yeah. The numbers have gone back up considerably here, although for the most part, they're mild cases. But there's a lot of cases right now um, over the past month. I know a lot of people. A lot of people have gotten in often for the second time. You know, and again, usually they don't they don't have anything serious, you know, a, a sore throat, slight fever. But the numbers here were yesterday, I think, over 80,000 new cases, which if you translate to the U.S., it's almost about half a million. So it's a lot and over 100 deaths, which would be over 500 deaths in the United States in terms of population. Um, so the deaths are still obviously much lower than they were when it were when there were more virulent strains you know, of the of the virus. This is this is again. It's much weaker, fortunately. But the now, now what's the mood of the people? Are they going to, if they try to lock Italy down again, are they going to not going to go happen. along with it? No. Yeah. Go go ahead, Andrew. Politically, that's not that's really not possible unless you know unless another strain of the virus comes up that's much more serious, much more deadly. There's just no way politically that can happen. People are not not willing to accept that. Uh, you still have to wear masks on public transportation here. Uh, a lot of public places, offices, I went into a bank today. Don't do that very much nowadays, do everything online. But I went into a bank and, um, you know, all the employees were wearing masks. So they can't force you to do it. The, the law now says there's, there's no requirement to do it. But in private businesses, uh, you can choose, the business can choose to do it. So masks, yes, although... You take them off as soon as you start eating and everyone's going out to eat and having dinners together and having parties together. So, you know, it's not it's not exactly stopping stopping the spread. We'll put it that way. But politically, you just can't no. you can't go back that way unless something really gets gets bad. So. And also, we're hearing about the heat wave that's going across Europe, uh, over 100 degrees in parts of England and wildfires yep. in Greece. Is Italy getting hit by the heat wave at all? Yes, it's been hot here. New for Jersey a month. is. It's been hot here for a month, significantly hot. Uh, and the biggest problem is that it's been very dry. That's the real problem. So it's been mid 90s today. I think it was over 95 here again. And the next few days, it's going to be up, up towards 100. Um, it's not as it's not quite as bad as I remember from 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, 2003. That was probably the worst year here. Uh, but it's been hot. Definitely. I actually worried about this because the winter was very cold, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it was a very long and cold winter. And I figured when the summer comes, we're probably going to get a long and hot summer. Uh, so there's my there's my climatology. But anyway, uh, it is it is hot yeah. here and it's dry. The biggest problem up here is it just hasn't rained for months. It's barely rained at all. Uh, so usually you should get some storms in the afternoons and we're not getting that. So agriculture is, is at risk. And so I think that a lot of this stuff, even though the weather is not a political situation, it being very, very hot, for instance, and the wildfires tend to add to the sense that the wheels are coming off. And as we're seeing political leaders from Italy and the UK to Sri Lanka quitting and Estonia. And do you get the sense, Andrew, that the wheels are coming off the world, just in a broad sense. I tend to be more optimistic. My goal, my approach in the last 
six, seven years has been to embrace uncertainty. And let me explain why. That's with the populist, you know, the so-called populist revolt. Considering, you know, I remember I, I wrote a book about Trump before he was elected here in Italian about why Trump would probably win. I published six months before the election. Uh, and when everyone was going crazy about Brexit and about Trump, I was telling them, look, we, the United States and most Western European countries have followed a, a, a policy of financial globalization that has been a disaster, foreign policy of regime change wars. And if what it takes to, to change things is some uncertainty and some unrest for a few years, well, that's, that's going to be the cost. I'll take it. Um, now, certainly, we've gone beyond that with the pandemic and the war. We've gotten pretty far, but I still, my, my instinct is always to look for what positive changes can come out of a situation like this, which can wake people up to the mistakes we've been, uh, you know, that our governments have been making for far too long. I have a question for you guys. Yes. You know, if you were in Italy, you couldn't be on Sputnik Radio. The European Union banned Sputnik Russia today, uh, months ago. And uh, so what's it like over there for you guys? Is, this, is, what's, is there pressure? Is there, uh, you know, how, how are you, you treated being on, being on a, you know, a, a radio station associated with Russia? The weird thing is Twitter, my profile now says I'm Russian state affiliated media. <laughs> and Sputnik, even though I think the, the funding ultimately comes from Russia, there's there's no control that I can see that Russia has over her programming. Right. Certainly on a micro level, Russia does nothing to do with the programming. And even my boss, I believe, acts independently. He's in. So. We are still and and RT, that was a decision that was not made. That was the person who operated RT made that decision to shut down RT America. Uh -huh. But there there hasn't been, you know, I came out the first day and said, I stand with Russia. I'm in favor of Russia because I've been talking for years about what happened in 2014 and Ukrainian Nazis. So it didn't catch me by surprise. When Russia was talking about that, I felt like, well, finally, Finally, they're talking about this. And uh, so at first, that was a very unpopular position to take. But over time, I think conservatives, especially Trump supporters, especially, have started to realize, well, Carmine, how would you put it? They realize that Ukraine is allied with a lot of people they don't like, the WEF and major Democrats. Is that right, Carmine? No, it's not right. But they, they do a pretty stealthy job of hiding it from the general public. Yes. So they, so that's what it's, it's been. That's my experience, Andrew. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, interesting to know again here because the EU took stronger you know, 
stronger action here on that. And I've always, when I've come on your show in the past, I've always noticed that. And I, I tell people that if, if people ask about the U.S., that I don't see any conditioning. Uh, I see people who are, you know, who have independent views. And if you're critical, uh, we need people who are critical. <laughs> so uh, we need to have yes. that kind of discussion. And there's one thing I think we should not be doing is is stifling debate you know, or trying to, to exclude anyone just because they have a different idea and, and say you're working for the Kremlin. <laughs> yes. And and Carmine's talked about that. He's doesn't experience anything there. And he's he he asked me when the war started, he said, Do I have to watch what I say? And I said, No, why? Right, Carmine? Yes. I, well I knew they were sensitive back then to that kind of stuff. So Mm-hmm. And, and and you still kind of do have to be, you still kind of do have to watch what you say though, because while the government won't come after you, there'll be a big social media campaign to quote unquote cancel you. Right. But you're not worried about Putin, is the point? No. Right. So no. First so of all, I'm tired Andrew of getting Spanish, involved in some of our business. It must be late there. So it's fantastic talking to you once again. Tell people where they can find your writing. Okay, you can find things in English. If you read Italian, you can find tons, but also in English at uh, Transatlantico. So that's Transatlantic with an O at the end, dot info, I-N-F-O. Uh, and there's a book of mine also. You'll find a book there on, on the European Union from a few years ago. And uh, there's that's where you'll find, that's my weekly newsletter. And if you read Italian, you find tons of stuff all over the internet. Or listen to it. Understand it. <laughs> and Andrew, it's always great talking to you. Take care of yourself, you know, with the heat wave and everything. All right. I'll stay cool. Okay. Bye, guys. Arrivederci. Thanks very much. That's Andrew Spanis, everyone. God bless, brother. And transatlantico.info is his website. Check it out. Let's take a short break and then get your rant ready, Carmine, because we're going to talk about the guns situation right after this break on the backstory. And we are back on the backstory. Carmine Mundy. Carmine Sabia is joining us, as he does every Monday, to be our guest co-host. And Carmine, how did you like Andrew Spanos? I like him, man. Very, very informative. And, and he taught me stuff about Italy, which is amazing. Like that the Coke is cold. I had no idea, because it was warm for decades, man. It was warm forever. Speaking of the Coke being warm forever... Did you hear at the southern border, they made the most seizures of cocaine last month than they have in a long time? At one place, they nabbed $700,000 of cocaine. Have you heard about this? Along with the influx of people, there's an influx of drugs. I did not know that. Trump, Trump always brought that up, that the... If the border's open, it's not just open to people. It's easier for drugs to get up. 
And but don't worry, Biden's going to talk to the head of Colombia, and see what he can do. Which is what Biden can do is nothing. He's he he should put Hunter Biden on it. Uh, that guy can sniff out the cocaine. Yeah, exactly right. So, Carmine, let's talk about the gun thing. And the headlines are: there's a attempted shooting. It was a shooting. It was successful. A guy went into a mall in Indi- near Indianapolis and in the food court with a long gun, and he killed three people. So I say, but the police say he would have killed more, except there's a 22-year-old there who was legally carrying, and he put a stop to it. He shot and killed the gunman, and the police gave him credit. What did you notice about that story, Carmine? What I noticed about that story, and everybody said, oh, yeah, here it is on CNN.com. I'm like, yes. You know where it's not? On CNN, the television channel. MSNBC, the channel. NBC, ABC, CBS. None of their networks, their, their, their print is carrying it. None of their networks are carrying it. Now, if it was a massacre and everybody was unarmed, that'd be the number one story today. But you have a hero who saved the lives of who knows how many people. And and people are, I mean, there's so much, there's so much, and and people are not reporting it. And then the other thing is, there's, uh, the, you know, the, the argument, oh yeah, but three people got killed first. I said, well, he can't preemptively shoot somebody. He can't shoot them before they've started shooting unless he sees the gun. And this one brave guy, this one brave kid, he's a kid, to me, he's a kid. This one brave kid was braver than nearly 400 police officers. And you want people to surrender their guns? And I haven't heard about it, but I'll bet he's a white guy who's here legally. Also, probably. I'll bet that's working against him for the press covering it, right? Probably likely. A guy legally possessing possessing a gun, and if he's not, I don't care. I'll say it. But yeah, the fact cares? is, right? Who cares? Except I know why they don't say it. That's my point. Correct. You agree? Now, yeah, I think if it was, a, if, if it was a black man who did the saving, they probably would have reported that. Right. Or an illegal immigrant. He was yeah. seeking a better life and legally carrying a gun. I don't think so. Now, well, also, also, let's talk about this, too. Did you see the um, well, no, I, I'll get to that story next. I don't want to I don't want to take away from this. Go ahead. Well, no, no. I was only going to say, Uvalde, once again, it is stunning. 346 police officers on scene. 346 police officers. That is unbelievable. That is, I mean, it's so many people. How many do you I, need? It's, a, it's like a small town. Well, how do they have that many police officers there in general? Because it was the Uvalde police, Border Patrol, um, I believe even federal agents, but nobody knew who was in charge when they got there. When was the last time you saw 346 cops in one place that you could, you know, in one building? A parade, maybe? I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. And they're spread out. They're not in one building. And... 346 cops and not one of them could
could do what this 22-year-old did in in Indianapolis, right? Astounding. It's astounding. But then the same people will tell you, but, you know, let's turn over all our guns and have only the police have them, which I always found as to be an interesting argument because these are the same people who hate the police. Now, I saw you talking about this on Twitter. What was the weirdest reaction you got? The weirdest reaction I got to that was about the about the kid. Oh yeah, but yep. three people had to die first. That was the weirdest reaction I got because my question is, do you want us to start preemptively shooting people we think might be mass shooters? I mean, obviously shots had to be fired first. Right. And you know, the enemy of the good is a perfect. You should and, and the issue and the issue is the issue is too you don't know how many this guy was armed pretty heavily how many would have died it would have been a lot more than three and then i'm sad for those three people and their families it's a horrible tragedy and, and nothing can bring them back to this earth but i think it's fair to say it's a, still a bigger tragedy was prevented now what was the thing you wanted to talk about you started to say carmine sure yeah i came across uh um on twitter a tweet by Mr. Benjamin Crump, also known as Ben Crump, the new Al Sharpton. Yes. You know him? I've been writing about him for about seven years, eight years, since Trayvon Martin. I've, I've written a lot. I've talked to him, too, at the George Zimmerman trial. I forget the black guy who got killed, but a black man got killed this week by police. Or was it last week? I don't know. Last week. Got killed by police. And he puts up in, this beautiful in, picture in of this kid. Yes. In Minneapolis? Yes. Yes. And he puts a beautiful picture of this kid, and the kid looks great. What a He demands answers, okay? Well, there's a video of the woman, you see, who was there, because the innocent black man who was shot by police was actively shooting at a woman in front of her kids, trying to kill her. The police saved her life. People are protesting. So my question is, what would you have the police do in this situation? Uh, now, stop it, sir. Stop. All right, when you're done killing her, we're going to have a long talk with you. Well, what did you want to happen, Ben? Besides you cashing in, maybe you'll go there and start a riot, destroy a town, and then go home counting your money. Are we? Are we? Are we at a point, Lee, where you literally can't? The police can't shoot a black man if they are in the middle of trying to murder somebody. Is that how far we have gone? Yes. I'll answer that one. Yes. Crump has, and Crump, I noticed him, he was involved with Trayvon Martin. And he, and he's worse, that was quick. not his. He's worse than Al Sharpton. I want to point this out. He's way worse than Al Sharpton because Al Sharpton hasn't defended this guy. He always brings Sharpton in and Obama. At Ferguson, Sharpton, and Obama making statements. At Trayvon Martin, Sharpton, and Obama. And at the Martin Lee Anderson case, which is the first case that Crump got involved in, uh, he he causes riots wherever he goes. He found a way to make money. Yes. And you know where he makes his money? Uh, Suing. Yes. A lot of times he'll sue, you know, in the case of Trayvon Martin— you know, it's a big apartment complex. I've been there. It's a big apartment complex. I'll talk about it after this break. 
we're going to go take a break. And we'll be back to talk more about this with Carmine Sabian and Carmine Mundy. This is Lisa Anahan, and this is The Backstory. from the Empire of Lies for the second hour of the show that makes you smarter and brings you free speech and open debate. I'm Lisa Stranahan, and on Carmine Monday, we're joined by Carmine Sabia as our guest host. This is the backstory. In hour one, we had Andrew Spanis joining us from Rome with a great update on everything going on in Europe. This hour... We have Allison Hayden joining us, a patriot from Northern California. I'll be talking to her about the goings-on and the politicians of California, Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, and Al. This is the backstory. So, come on, I was telling you Ben Crump makes a lot of his money. So, you know, when you have a neighborhood let's say full of condos. They sometimes have a neighborhood association that usually tells you you have to cut your grass or you can't fly a flag. Do you know what I'm saying? The neighborhood associations? Yes. So those neighborhood associations are lawsuit targets. And Ben Crump often has sued the neighborhood association. And as you can imagine... The Neighborhood Association doesn't want to be sued by Trayvon Martin's family because it's bad PR, and they just want to settle. Does that make sense? Correct. So he Correct. finds people— it's, it's, sharp, it was the, it's the old Sharpton shakedown that he would do to uh, businesses. Right. He's essentially an ambulance chaser. He finds people who are going to settle lots of quickly because the Neighborhood Association— doesn't want to be the people that are denying Trayvon Martin's family money. Because so the Sharpton shakedown, for those, for, those, for those that don't know, the Sharpton shakedown was, and I'll just name a company on top, man, a black woman didn't get a promotion at General Electric, okay? And Sharpton will have a meeting with General Electric. Well, why didn't she get a promotion? Well, you know, these were her qualifications and da-da-da-da. Okay. Well, we think you're racist, and we're going to take this public unless you settle with the family and uh, make a $10 million donation to the National Action Network. And then everything would be swept under the rug. Nobody would know nothing. It was the Sharpton shakedown. It was genius, really. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, but you're right. And not only Sharpton, but Jackson and Crump does it as a lawyer. So he comes in, and, and I've talked to him, and Ugh. he's not that smart. No, you can see that. You know, you can see that smart. Yes. And I, 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 it was very obvious talking to him. He's not that smart. So I really wonder who's putting him up to it. Because now he's brought in on all these situations as a lawyer. And if more stuff picks up in Minneapolis, 
You know, I'm three hours from Minneapolis. Nothing's going to happen there because nothing's going to happen there because did you see the woman screaming at the protesters? He tried to kill me. And the guy says to her, the one you hear this, this guy, it's white idiots, by the way, in the background shouting, yeah, but you're alive. Yeah, she's alive because the police were there. That's why she's alive. Well, I covered the Jamar Clark case up in Minneapolis. The Minneapolis Black Lives Matter and even the NAACP up there, they're organized for protests. And they're very organized. And so we'll see. You're If, if you're saying, well, they don't have a case, I wouldn't have thought they had a case on George Floyd. And yet that was the biggest thing in the country. Yeah, correct. I wouldn't have thought a guy who clearly was violating the law and fighting the police and everything else and was on fentanyl, I would have thought that, and and they had the stupidest story in the world, that the police intentionally killed him. The idea that the police would have intentionally killed him. But Minneapolis gets a lot of this. So anyway, they're only three hours away. So if protests pick up, I may head there just to see what's going on. I don't think it will, like I said, because I mean, think I was shooting. Well, well, we'll see. If Crump's in on it, it he's not going to let it go. He's going to want more protests and bigger protests. Well, yeah. And then who was the other guy that got killed by police not long ago who shot at them from the car? That story disappeared from the news really quick. Yeah, but but there was a guy who, I forget his name. There wasn't even any good, any riots. I thought there'd be a riot. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Because it's Minneapolis, and they've done successful actions there before, I wouldn't be surprised if you, again. That's the only thing I was thinking, thinking because it is Minneapolis. Yeah, you're thinking logically. That's your mistake, Carmine. Minneapolis they're able to get stuff going. It's a very liberal town. But the town. only thing is, the only thing is, I don't see CNN cameras there like to fuel it. They're not fueling this. Give them time. You think? Now we'll. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Crump is in on it. This is how he makes his money, right? I mean, you got to be so, pretty stupid, though. They don't. They don't mind the fact that it's a bad case. They don't mind the fact that it makes people like you go, this is insane. They like yeah. that. They like people on the right going, this is insane. There does seem and to be then, a thing about that, doesn't there? Yes. Now, the other thing that's going on internationally, did you see Zelensky fired two of its top people? The head of the SBU... And the prosecutor general were fired by Zelensky. Did you, did you see that? I did not see that. So this is the president of Ukraine firing the equivalent of the attorney general and the head of it's the equivalent of the FBI or CIA. OK. And the reason he fired them. These, those are major people to fire, too. The reason Absolutely. he says he fired them, 
He's accusing him of treason, of working for the Russians. And is there any basis for this? Well, he's saying, I saw one news report that said what he's doing, which is he fired them because he's accusing him of treason, of working for the Russians. But then another news report said it nicer. They said he fired them because they didn't catch Russian spies. But uh, this is what I, I referred to it yesterday as trouble in the bunker. And what I mean is when a leader like Zelensky gets into trouble, he starts looking at the people around him to blame the trouble on. See, Zelensky's losing the war. And it's decisions Zelensky's made going along with what the United States and Great Britain and Europe want. Okay? But now he's starting to throw his own people under the bus. And this is a spiraling, spiraling effect. You watch. Zelensky fires two of his top people. Would you want to take over as prosecutor general or as no. head of the SB? Right. Because you know you're next. Right? You know that y you could be tried for treason next. And so he's going to have a tough time. He's already arguing with his generals. And the reason he's doing this is militarily, it's basically over for Ukraine. Now, they, they're, they're counting on these missiles, these HIMAR missiles. And they've got about 27 HIMAR missile systems over there. But have you heard? It sounds like Russia got a hold of one of them. I did not. Now, the rumor is that it's, but it's a rumor, but Russia's not going to tell us this, that is that Russia bought one, a HIMAR missile system on the black market. Think about that. Russia supposedly, but they apparently got a hold of it either way. And now what they're able to do is analyze the system and build their anti-missile systems to take care of it. You follow me? I do follow you. That's pretty amazing. Go ahead. Well, the other thing that happened, and this could be part of why Zelensky's pissed, there was a recent missile strike on an officer's club in Ukraine. You know, the kind that military officers hang out with. Yeah. And apparently about 300 officers were killed. Oh. And... Theoretically, I've heard this is not confirmed, but the people selling missiles to Ukraine were there. The representatives from the missile factory were in the officers club. So this is a major hit on the command structure of Ukraine. And here's a question. How did the Russians know? that 300 officers were at that particular club when they struck. 
that's, I think, the failure that caused Zelensky to fire the people. You follow me? Because you somehow, think they ran on it? I, no, I don't. But they didn't stop it. Does that make sense? How could they, though? Well, right. That, that's exactly right. And that's why no one's going to want to work for Zelensky. But that's the kind of stuff that's happening, aside from Russia winning military battle after military battle in the Donbass. So that's update there. Let's go 202-521-1320. Hey, Tarif, you're on the air. All right. How y'all doing, gentlemen? First, I'd like to say free doing time. I have five, um, I have five comments. <clears throat> okay. First comment is this. Watch Alex McCurris and also read the telegrams or whatever. Alex McCurris said that um, um, satellite image came out about, you know, the different crops throughout the world, majority of crops throughout the world fell. And only, only countries that had um, bumper crops that had large-scale harvest was China and Russia because they had fertilizer. So that's just proof in the Putin, uh, proof, proof in the Putin that it have nothing to do with Ukraine with uh with uh grain coming out of Ukraine what that what it's about is against sanctions against Russia stopping fertilizer going over the world. Okay, second comment is um the Ukraine situation is rumors that the United States will stop helping out Ukraine if they lose the Donbass region around Comatos, Bukmut area, Sevalunts area because another rumor where Ellis McCurry was saying that it's probably true about the Hamas system probably got in the hands of um, the Ukraine, um, the Russia, right? And the U.S. is upset because they got so much cor- corruption dealing with the Ukrainian military and SBU. That's why you know you see so many people got fired from um, um, Zelensky fired so many people because of that reason and another reason like the 300 people was killed and how quickly. The Hurston uh, region was taken, taken in um, uh, southern Ukraine, and it had some other mishaps of locations of people was being basically killed by cruise missiles. So you got a failure with a uh, service in Ukraine. My uh, the fourth comment: Amlo in Argentina is 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 skirting around the U.S. sanctions. They're breaking U.S. sanctions against Cuba. Gonna start having commercial ties with Cuba more and more and more. It's starting this week. They're having uh, political talks with Cuba. Um, also, Brazil will be um, dealing with um, Russia directly now. Energy, gas, and petroleum, along with China and um, in India, they're receiving energy from um, um, Russia. Brazil also needs fertilizer for the um, for the farmers and things of that nature. Well, Brazil is breaking the sanctions. In my last comment, well, uh, they had a um, Saudi had to clarify something that even though Saudi Arabia is opening up the airspace to commercial airliners coming from Israel, that doesn't mean the uh, for air attack on Iran just because they opened up the commercial airliners because. 
The diplomat also said that they want to still have bilateral talks. They still want, excuse me, still want to have talks with Iran in the future. So, yeah, that's my comments for today. No, and the last point is thanks for the call, Reef. It's a very good point. They opened the airspace, and a commercial flight flew from Israel to Saudi Arabia. But the theory is that the airspace is in general open up, and it's going to allow a war. Israel to fly jets in Saudi Arabian airspace to attack Iran. And just what we need, another U.S.-backed war. We don't have enough of those. Do you want a Middle Eastern war, Carmine? Well, there's a school of thought that would suggest that you know, a lot of things are winding up from the end times. So Middle Eastern war would kind of fit right in, wouldn't it? it? It would fit right in. And what also, you know, let's point out the other problems. Iran, there's no love loss with Saudi Arabia there. So they're likely to hit back. If they see Saudi Arabia as an active ally of Israel, Iran, and what will that do to worldwide oil? We're already looking at an oil crisis this winter in places like Germany. And, but I'll say this for Biden. Gas prices have been falling. Have you noticed that? It's national hey, average is now 450. Yeah, what did you say? Big deal. It's see, I said this a long time ago, Lee. I said what's going to happen is the 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 gas prices will fall, okay, to a still ridiculous number, and we're going to be told that we should celebrate it because oh, look how much the gas prices came down. Uh, yeah, they're still up two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, it's still very expensive. And what was the highest gas price under Trump? Oh, geez, I don't know. Now, talk about uh, you. I saw your tweet about this. Trump, the other news about Trump is him going after Elon Musk. So does that make much sense to you, Carmine? No, I think it's the dumbest, one of the dumbest possible things he could do. And he's talking about Elon Musk building cars that can't drive very far and self-driving cars that crash. How about self-driving cars that can, the fact that a car can do anything, if they occasionally crash, which is not perfect yet, but I think self-driving cars are pretty miraculous. Anyway, well now, now I keep hearing the the one gentleman on uh, by any means necessary said we got to stop the self driving cars. Yes, but I I think I think it's ultimately going to get better than human driven cars pretty quickly because people crash cars too. You may have noticed that. They do. Mind. They do. And. And so 
there's nothing about humans' brains that are getting better at driving cars. That, I mean, humans crash them a lot more. Right. And self-driving cars, the fact they can do anything. But why does Trump do this stuff, in your opinion, Carmine? I don't know, but it makes no damned sense. Now, by the way, ultimately, I think Elon Musk may end up buying Twitter either at a bad deal or better deal. I think he's all he's doing now is trying to get a better deal. Do you agree? Do you think Musk yeah. is still potentially an owner of Twitter? I think he's going to still get it, yes. And we played the Trump quote. The, my favorite part was where he said, and true social, it's as hot as a pistol. Carmine, do you consider true social as hot as a pistol? A water pistol, yes. Good point. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's it's a straight. It's a straight. Unfortunately, it's a straight lie. And uh, but but more to the point. Again, let's get to why is this man doing this? Why is why is he fighting? Why is he fighting? with people he doesn't need to fight with. How could this possibly well, help him? Well, I'll give you an argument that it's jealousy because I, I saw agree. Russell Brandt talking about this and he made a point. The king of Twitter now, who's the king of Twitter? Clearly, right now. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the Elon, Elon Musk, Musk by a mile. And who was the king of Twitter? Trump. Trump. And Trump was the Twitter person to watch. And Trump played Twitter pretty well. But I think Elon actually uses Twitter as well as anyone I've ever seen. He actually the thing engages. About Elon, the thing about Elon that's good is that he doesn't like make a fool of himself when he, he he posts snark. He doesn't go in your face, rah, you know what I mean? Like And one of the things I think is good about the way Elon tweets, he doesn't act like he's better than anyone. He is willing to engage with people. If they say something he finds interesting, he'll retweet it and answer it. Have you noticed that? Yes. Which is super cool. Right. And it is, it, it is very cool. And he engages people, not just who are praising him. And when someone's negative about him, he doesn't see Trump. Trump's got one mode of attack. He attacks back. And he tries to be vicious. Elon, like you say, it's snark. So I would argue that Elon Musk plays Twitter better than Trump did, as becoming obvious, right? He's the number one Twitter oh, very user. Much. And do you think that's what it is, jealousy? Um, I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah. And it's sad that Trump operates that way. 
but it's a character flaw. Still, he was a better president than Joe Biden. Let's face it. Oh, by a lot. So now we'll talk about who could be replacing Joe Biden in 2024. And that's California Governor Gavin Newsom. And we'll also talk about your favorite Italian-American, Nancy Pelosi. We got Allison Hayden from the Bay Area coming up next on The Backstory. Back in the backstory on a Carmine Monday and on the radio at 105.5 FM, AM 1390. Joining us now is a great patriot from the Bay Area in California, Allison Hayden. How are you doing, Allison? Very fine from this beautiful day in California. <laughs> well, Allison, I don't know if you've been on with you met Carmine, but this is Meet Carmine Sabia, our guest host today. Carmine, Allison, Allison, Carmine. Hi, Allison. Let's let's talk about a representative from California, Nancy Pelosi. So I think it's prima facie evidence of her corruption that she's as rich as she is. Something like $10 million. You shouldn't go into Congress and then years later, you're worth $10 million. Carmine, do you agree that on the face of it, I don't need to see anything else than... The numbers does correct raise suspicion. It's a big push. There's a big push for auditing all of these, uh, all of the Congress people and in the Senate, because it's it's exactly that. You know, it's a, a place where they're highly compromised, and and frankly, executive orders from Trump. I think that's why the big pushes against him coming back really will cause them to lose all of those um, illicit gleanings from using their position. Now, I, now I talked about it as prima facie evidence, but we have very specific evidence. Her husband, her drunk husband, who's, you know, again, driving trouble in wine country recently. Her husband made some stock moves that are very questionable. Can you tell us about that, Allison? Yeah, exactly. Because right before announcements were going, decisions were going to be made. They bought multi-million uh, shares, and uh, I think that you know every she's been investigated before on the same thing. So this is something that that has to go into. It has to be codified in some way to keep them from being able to make these kind of purchases. Well. You know what? Democrats and Republicans are both for codifying it, but Pelosi is literally by herself stopping it. Right. And so. how she has such sway in Congress. I mean, I think when she gets off the scene, which I can't imagine her being able to hold up much longer. How old is she now? I mean, 127. Right. Yes. So in terms of the weight that she's put against any kind of legitimate government, you know, she, everything that she's about is not what the republic needs. And so we need this whole crew to get off. And we're looking forward to that in 2020. 
to this November election. Now, I'll say it's worse than insider trading. Insider trading is where you have inside knowledge, and it's illegal, right? Insider trading, unless I miss my guess, people get busted for that all the time, right, Carmine? Martha Stewart effectively went to jail, spent time in prison. Martha Stewart. And what Pelosi does is when she votes on something, it, it affects the value of it because legislation affects the value. So this is about semiconductors. Is that right, Allison? Yes, and these, I mean, that's the greatest need right now. We're looking at, you know, this uh, TSM in, in Taiwan, um, I mean, they set up a plant in Arizona, but America is really not in a good position. So um, any insider knowledge about production, manufacturing in the U.S. and, and where, the, you know, is going to be highly lucrative. And so this, you know, this is really outside the pale of, of um legitimacy. So I, you know, when these things, the, the problem is the media, you know, it comes to lie just like his DUI. Okay. And they, they make a play for, you know, a half a minute and then it goes away and people's, you know, with all the news coming out, people forget about it and that we don't hold them accountable. And the, the kind of investigation that has to be made, she also has hands over what gets investigated, how much, and, and all of that. So in so many ways, uh, Congress and its functioning, you know, really holds them uh, unaccountable. And so, uh, you know, we all know in America, it's really the, the corruption in Washington that is holding America hostage. No, I think that's right. And obviously, we have an obviously openly corrupt president because more information has come out from the Hunter Biden laptop. And there's no question that Joe Biden was aware of his son's business deals. Carmine, do you have any doubt at all from what you've seen? <laughs> no. And no, I'm serious. But there's no, no doubt. Of course not. And that of Biden denied not. it. Biden lied to the American people repeatedly and said, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know anything about this. Pelosi, our top, she's the Speaker of the House, the most powerful woman in Congress, and one of the most powerful women in Washington is openly corrupt. And the President of the United States is openly corrupt. And Allison, am I missing something? But there, it's open... In the open corruption. Oh, it, you, Eric Swalwell, who I am running against, he's in charge of the Committee of on Intelligence. So it's the wolf watching the chicken coop. How how much investigation is going to go on when you have, uh, you know, really? I'm sorry, but most of the leadership, you know, if you're looking in at Congress. M the nasty things going on, all these people leading it are from California. Um, Swalwell was named to the Intelligence Committee. He was handpicked by party leadership. It was suspicious about his ties to China, and yet he keeps getting re, you know, now he's uh, actually head of that uh, 
a committee that's in charge of looking at all the intelligence agencies and what they're doing. So how much, how much um, revelation do you really expect? Now, they're talking about replacing Joe Biden in 2024. There seems to be a push among some Democrats to replace Biden because factually he's very unpopular. 95 percent, I forget, I think it was 95 percent of all Democrats, young Democrat voters want someone else. But they're talking about replacing him with Gavin Newsom. Now, what do you think of the idea of President Newsom? Oh, my goodness. You know, a horse. Well, now, wait, wait, I, I, I got to say one thing. Will he have time to be president when he's not busy taking his handsome lessons? <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know, I Gavin is in over his head. You know, he's not really a politician. He's, he's really not comfortable in front of people. Um, California is underwater. You know, we haven't funded the schools appropriately. He's held back and he's doing, he used COVID to not open the schools because, the, because basically the state is, is in trouble. He was recently out to D.C. basically on bended knee to get more money, right? Um, and probably to meet whomever in this bid for the presidency. So they need to put somebody up there. But I can't imagine that Americans are going to follow someone who, uh, look at the train, how it never got in California. It's hanging up there, <laughs> you know, um, the, the bullet, so, so-called bullet of California. So while look at a picture of that bullet, that's exactly what you're going to get out of, of Gavin Newsom. Unfinished, uh, left up in the air, question about where the money went. We were looking at a huge um, $850 billion, even more than that, of EDD money that's MIA. There are so many questions. Um, we, you know, even the uh, budget was 18 or 20 months late, an audited budget because the um, secretary would not sign off on it and she's now not running. So, you know, we have so many problems in California and I just can't imagine Americans wanting uh, anybody from California to lead this nation. God help us if that happens with the current leadership. Well, except except you. Now, so, Allison, Carmine's from Newark, New Jersey. And so, Carmine, let me explain California to you. You've heard of San Francisco, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, east of that is the East Bay. That's across the Bay Bridge. That's Oakland. And east of that is a district that Allison's running against Eric Swalwell to represent. Is that essentially right? You're east of the East Bay, Hayward, Vallejo, and uh, I'm not sure. I, I misspoke, but Vallejo, I think. Dublin, that area, right, Allison? Actually, I'm in Alameda County, which includes Oakland. But okay. Congressional district does not include Oakland. The congressional district is um, Hayward, a little chunk of San Leandro, and moving south uh, to include 
North Fremont. They redistricted, um, and so we lost all of San Ramon and and okay. all shrunk a little bit, but yes. Mm-hmm. So, so you get the geography, Carmine? I got it. Yes. So, so a lot of people who live there, some of them are people who can't afford to live in San Francisco, but they may work there. Is that right, Allison? Well, that's exactly right. And these fuel costs, if you look at what they're doing, I mean, I see uh, my district is Castro Valley, Fairfield, Union City, um, Sonoma. The traffic on uh, 580 and 680, which is north, south, and east and west, um, is just a nightmare. And people have to commute these horrendous, um, make these horrendous commutes be able to get to work in the in the city or in the major metropolis um oakland and such so you know this all of this uh what they're calling greenflation now um is really about um totally a, a takeover i think more and more pe- they're paying people to not work basically and the people are having to you know if you even the control of truckers. I mean, you see these big pushbacks against the truckers. It's fuel costs. It's um, farmers can't run their tractors. We're California, Canada, but Europe. Every you know, the Italy, Poland, the Dutch. Most recently, there is a worldwide pushback against all of this. Um, Greenflation, all under climate, so-called climate change. But these fuel prices, and then and then not even allowing our own. You know, California ha- is rich and has its own fuel. Um, they, the the green the green people, uh, even if they're not in their party, are really closing down our economy, and and that's why the people are rebelling. And, it, you know, as I said, it's not just California. It's, it's the country. It's Canada. It's, it's Europe. We're seeing uh, the globalists. I think they've met their match now. People are not putting up for what's going down. The tax is going up. It's horrendous. And you're right. When we come back to the environmental stuff, it's a big issue. And But another thing that's a big issue for people's lives is crime. And part of the reason I went through that geography lesson with Carmine is Carmine, like everybody listening, has heard about the crime in San Francisco. People openly going into how, Carmine, you know, CVS and drugstores can't stay open in San Francisco because there's just open shoplifting. And what I'm wondering, Allison, is any of that crime wave that's hit San Francisco headed east out into your district? Well, it's about to. We have... A pretty good sheriff in terms of we didn't really experience a lot of that, um, but we he just was defeated in the selection, and uh, we have a, a social justice warrior coming in and uh, a DA possibly. I mean, there will be no runoff in November for the sheriff because uh, he lost. You know, she went over fifty percent of the vote, but for the DA that that. There will still be a race, but the leading contender is a Soros-backed DA. So we're going. To, I think that we're going to see a 
spike, uh, it, not just a spike, but I think we're going to see soaring rates of crime. And uh, because, you know, basically, just as the others were, uh, they're turning them back into the street and, um, you know, we're not going to have much, much control in terms of law enforcement. And the law enforcement is very demoralized. They've been attacked for everything that they're doing. And, uh, you know, if we don't have a change of, of leadership, uh, I see uh, at least the East Bay, Alameda, going, uh, becoming much more. I, actually, maybe the people that voted that way voted for this whole thing out of, out of their heart for the, vic- for the uh, criminals, you know, and how they had a troubled life there or whatever it is, I mean, maybe they will think again, you know, that uh, you have to have law and order in order to even bring people to their senses and, and stop uh, committing crime. You know, if you don't punish crime, it will only explode. And that's what we're seeing across the nation. And we know that this is a communist tactic. This is all a communist takedown, in my opinion. You can call it communist, whatever, whatever name you want to put to it. But the reality is, we are we are on mark in you know for the, a whole takedown, and that goes from um, the whole the whole um, school taking over the curricula, uh, breaking down the trust in your institutions, breaking down your trust uh, uh, in law enforcement as protectors. And everyone becomes, and then, you know, breaking down the divides in society between peoples. I mean, America, we are an idea, an experiment, and we have become better and better. And not to say we don't have our, our travails, which we are constantly looking at and trying to improve on. You know, yes, there still exists divides between peoples, but I would say, because I've looked in a number of different countries, that we... In terms of coming together, we're not a salad. They're trying to make us a salad. We have, by by virtue of the fact that we want the same things, there's more commonality between peoples, regardless of race, um, religion, and such, um, about what we want, which is uh, safe communities, a, a good place where you can uh, be, you know, exercise your potential and and push past any social, any kind of uh, government constructs or societal construct and pushed to maximize your potential. And that's what America's always offered the world. That's why they're at our borders. And when this, all of this to break up all of the, of the glue that has put us together between races and, and such, this is all part of a communist takedown. If you look, just look at the, the stages of communist takedown, we are right on mark. And so we have well, to, uh, this land purchase, they're taking over our land. China's buying. We are at war with China. You look at, you look at Swalwell. He is in charge of intelligence. He's on the Homeland Security. He's so worried uh, about our gun, taking our guns away. Why isn't he worried with all the fentanyl coming up and killing our people? He's worried about gun violence, but he doesn't see. We had a, over 100,000 people die of fentanyl uh, last year. He doesn't give a hoot about people. He is bought off, in my opinion. And, and I, you know, we have to push back against corruption. And Pelosi, too, with the, with the 
the money that she's getting and she's leadership on that committee. She is complicit, if not, you know, leading the way. So we corrupt, and that's why I have uh, JFK page on. Somebody asked me, what are you doing with JFK on your site? I am not a party animal. I am for Republican values and bringing back the safety and security and and of what made this country great, which is pushing for your potential. And these, we have to stand up as, as uh People who love America for what it has offered the world we have so many, so many cultures, religions, peoples of different experience and ethnicities that have come together with this idea of America. That's what binds us. We focus on what brings us together and not what divides us, which is what the Democratic Party and even even rhinos are playing into this. So this is a war, and this is a war to put America first, the idea of America, which is really for all peoples. If you look at all the farmers, the truckers, uh, the climate uh, p- people um, pushing to, to regain control of their land, they're trying to take their land away in, in the Netherlands. And, uh, that's what that whole thing is about. So that, you know, look at BlackRock and Vanguard, they own, and you can't find what percentage of the of, uh, real estate that they own in the U.S., but you can see signs. All I see it around here. They'll buy, buy out your house for cash. Um, so, and you can't find online. You can't find how much they already own. China's buying. How, how is China able to buy land in America? We can't buy land there with 100% ownership. Well, and on the issue of crime that we're talking about, uh, that specifically I can tie in Carmine, do you know who Angela Y. Davis is? I do not, sir. Angela Y. Davis was a black radical. She worked with the Black Panthers, and she was with the Communist Party USA. And she is the mother, the grandmother of criminal justice reform. And she was involved in the Bay Area with the Marin County Massacre. But Angela Davis... Her mentor was uh, Herbert yeah. Marcuse, who's one of the fathers of cultural Marxism. You've heard of that, of course, Carmine, right? And you can, if you can find Angela Davis and Herbert Marcuse, if you type in their names, send to get a smoke and cigars. He was a communist who was her mentor. And she founded the criminal justice reform movement and is in favor of prison abolition, which is one of the goals of criminal justice reform. And uh, that's as clear as it can be, because she was with the Communist Party of USA and Marcuse's an old school communist. And that is where the criminal justice reform reform movement came from. So, Carmine, do you have a question for Allison? Nope, just listening, my friend. I don't. But you you agree, I think, broadly about the dangers that America's losing many of the values that made America great, right? Well, I mean, I guess the only question I would have for her, because I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything she said. The only question I'd really have for her is, do you really, because I'm starting to get depressed. Do you really think that there's actually anything we can do honestly to, to get 
to get this country back on track and back to our moral values and and what made this country what it was is because I mean, even just listening to you now, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting depressed, like because it's sad. Because I, I know you're right, and I think this is stuff I think about all the time. What can we do, Allison? Real in, in reality, what can we do? But because it looks like that they've, because they, they own the entertainment industry. They, they own the schools. What is it we can do, Allison? Let me, let me translate that. I'll speak. You're in the in the Bay Area. I'll speak hippie. You're harshing Carmine's mellow. Allison, can you give him some positive vibes? <laughs> you know what? We're doing it. You're doing it. Really, exactly the backstory. That's what, that's what America needs to know, backstory. And what you're doing, that it's informing people. And more and more people are aware. They can see. If you look at the decline in CNN's ratings, I mean, they have lower ratings than some alternative media. So we're winning. We are winning the war. It is happening. If you look at, uh, at people in Hollywood, they're being exposed for their nefarious activities. I mean, unfortunately, even, I mean, very disgusting child trafficking. The, you know, who is it? The friend of... Um, Pelosi that was jailed for for his drug parties and and you know killing that young man um, a couple of and I forgot the, right. forgot his name but um anyway he's in jail so there you know we are there things are happening and and there is, there are more than you and I there are many people that are 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 disgusted with this takedown of our country and our values. Because we really aren't this, uh, you know, most Americans, we're not morally degenerate, ethically degenerate. Why do you think they had to pass AB 47 and to allow, you know, this kind of theft of, um, it's, kill, it, it's to kill the middle class businesses, the small and medium sized businesses. Who can afford it if you can come in your store and rip it off with, you know, um, without ever having to face justice? I mean, this is all about tearing down the society so that we become dependent. So it is coming back. I think that the biggest thing has to be to regain our vote. And that is also, we saw 2,000 mules. More is coming out on that. Um, it's becoming much more, uh, the low turnout in vote, I think, is in part because people are depressed about that. But as we start to make victories in, the legal for, uh, in in our lawsuits, I'm named on the lawsuit from 2020 exactly because of legal processes. The people's voice, the people's vote, has to be get um, taken back. I was witness to a to really a, a possible felony watch in in the vote processing um, of the primary, where I and and how in Alameda County the registrar. He is the same guy as the chief information officer, and that's supposed to be a check and balance. So who, who approved that? Board of Supervisors. Who approved the Dominion contract for 10 years? Board of Supervisors. Who, you know, so we need some accountability in official, in elected positions. And who, who so, you know, that's the wolf watch, watching the coop. Those boards of supervisors, they've been sitting there for 20, 30 years, some of them. 
We need to and go out and make it a, and turn turn the tide the Amer- that the voices of Americans because Californians I don't believe we are the the wild you know liberal whatever that they try and make us out to be. I think that people want what normal you know what common commonly you want a, a safe place for your family to be raised and a future for your children and good jobs for you to, to make that happen you know and so that- and uh, Allison you're, you're taking on an Eric Swalwell what have you found out from talking to voters what are the voters in the Bay Area telling you well when I go out I'm you know my vote okay it, even I have to say, even even the the Republicans are in uh, in the party. Okay, not all of them, but some of them are in are you know holding hands with the uh, with the Dems because they put up two contenders against me in the primary. I got more votes than any Republican had ever gotten in 2020 against Eric Swalwell. So that's how, and that's more than the registered rate for Republicans in the district. So I got more. I got votes from. Uh, not, you know, no party preference and other groups, the independents. Right now, um, this is the war. People do, do not like it. It doesn't make sense. If you look at how he got 60%, I don't believe it. And when, when I, what, in our case, adjudication means that uh, your ballot got kicked out. How did it get kicked out? If you didn't vote, bubble in something for every race. Well, do most voters know that, that they're their uh, ballot was going to go before a third set of eyes, and they're going to determine what your intent is, and they have the power to change your vote. That's what's that's what happened in Alameda. Allison, Allison, we're out of time. Unfortunately, keep fighting the good fight, Allison Hayden. Thanks to Carmen Sabia for being a great guest host as usual, and also thank you so much to Andrew Spanis from Italy, bringing us. What's up in Europe? Because this, it, it, we are seeing a global revolution against globalism. And she's taking on Swalwell, you know, gun grabber number one. So we'll be back tomorrow with more on the backstory. 